0: Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to our Easter morning celebration. As always, a special welcome to family and friends joining us from across the country and around the world. And a very special welcome this morning to Marit's mum, who's joining us from Germany. We'll hear uh, several voices today, along with our Minister Katrina. We'll hear Dr. Beth, Sylvia, Lizzie, Petri and Brian. And of course, we'll hear Paul on keyboard, Neil on trumpet, and Lena will be singing for us this morning. And thank you to Rico and Ailey, who played the birds hike DAs as we were gathering. We'll be sharing communion later in the service, so please have something ready to eat and drink when we reach that point. Very shortly, Bonnie and her family will be lighting our candle And we're all invited to light a candle of our own at the same time, if we'd like to do that. Just note, there's no evening service today. Then just a wee reminder that there will be a church meeting immediately after morning worship next Sunday. Although only members can vote, absolutely everybody is welcome to stay and participate in the discussion and in our communal discernment. Next Sunday, Katrina will lead morning worship at 11am and in the evening at 7pm, Shahid Khan will lead our evening service. But now it's over to Bonnie to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of the Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's lights this day. Ding!
1: very happy easter from me and as we come to prayer i'm going to use the traditional easter acclamation so if you feel like joining with the alleluia at home feel free Um, if you prefer not to that's fine too christ is risen alleluia
2: he is risen indeed alleluia god of springtime as
1: buds burst into leaf as blossom covers the trees and colourful flowers fill window boxes and gardens. We praise you for the gift of new and renewed life. Christ of resurrection, as we call to mind your overcoming of death and all that demeans, damages or
2: destroys life, we praise you for the gift of Easter joy. spirit of energy and power, as we meet to celebrate Easter and to worship our life-giving God, we praise you for the gift of redeeming grace. Triune God, always creating, ever redeeming, endlessly
1: sustaining. On this Easter Sunday, we call to mind the wonder of your love, having drawn into yourself all that deals death, so that all may experience fullness of life. Be with us, we pray, in our prayers and songs, our stories and our thoughts, that we might receive renewed confidence and courage for our own continuing
2: lives. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed.
3: chapter 25 verses 6 to 9. Here on Mount Zion, the Lord Almighty will prepare a banquet for all the nations of the world, a banquet of the richest food and the finest wine. Here he will suddenly remove the cloud of sorrow that has been hanging over all the nations. The sovereign Lord will destroy death forever. He will wipe away the tears for everyone's eyes and take away the disgrace his people have suffered throughout the world. The Lord himself has spoken. When it happens, everyone will say, he is our God. We have put our trust in him and he has rescued us. He is the Lord. We have put our trust in him. And now we are happy and joyful because he has saved us.
1: So as the Isaiah reading reminds us, this is a day of happiness. It's also a strange day. Let's not pretend otherwise. But a day in which there should be joy and hopefully a bit of fun. So I thought it would be nice to do something that's a bit daft and do a make this morning. So um, you were invited, if you wished to, to have a piece of paper kind of around about this size. I'm going to share screen and I'm going to share a video to um, guide us through what to do with it. I should warn you, um, my lack of experience on sound levels means it's not ever so loud. So you have to listen fairly Closely, but hopefully, the video will fill your screen and you can at least follow my hands if you can't quite hear what I'm saying. So, I'm going to mute myself now and share the screen. I don't know about you, but one of the things I love about the springtime is the flowers. It began with the snowdrops and then came the crocuses, daffodils, and now we're just starting to see primroses and tulips. So I thought maybe as something that's a bit of fun uh, for an Easter Sunday make, we could make our own paper tulip.
2: I promise you it's really easy. You don't need a degree in origami to be able to do this. All
1: you need is a square of paper. Anything around about 10 centimetres by 10 centimetres is fine. This is a little bit bigger. This is about 15 centimetres by 15 centimetres. Doesn't need to be huge. Doesn't even need to be a perfect square if I'm honest, but it's it's good if it's pretty much a square. And the first thing we need to do is to fold this diagonally, corner to corner. So like that to make a triangle and then open it out again and do the same on the other diagonal. But not worry if it's not perfect, it really doesn't matter. But It's good if you can make quite a firm crease this time. The next thing is to choose one of the corners, it doesn't matter which one of the sides, and fold it up from that middle point and press it down quite firmly. And then do the same the other side. It doesn't matter if they match or not. It doesn't matter if one's a bit higher or a bit lower. We're actually over halfway there now. Next, I'd like to invite you to turn it round and see these end points, just to bend each of those back a little bit. Again, it doesn't matter how far, what the angle is. Do a big bend back or a small bend back, it doesn't matter. And then if you'd like to, you can pop your fingers in just to open it up. And there is your
2: Easter tulip. It's not too bad, was it? Hopefully uh, most of you had a
1: go with that, ended up with some sort of a flower. The beauty of flowers is they vary, different colours, different sizes. Some of them are more obviously perfect than others, but they are all beautiful. And of course, tulips, like so many of our spring flowers, come from bulbs. Bulbs that are buried in the ground in the autumn and we don't see anything of them. And then suddenly up come the shoots and then in due course, the beautiful flowers. And then they die away again and are hidden in the ground until next year. Those of you that received an Easter box, um, hopefully it had a piece of wheat in it. I'm gonna try and hold this way, you can see it. And one of the things that Jesus said, of, which was very strange, was he talked about an ear of wheat and he said, unless it falls to the ground and dies and is buried, it stays just a single grain of wheat. But if it does die and fall to the ground and be buried, it will grow again and it will produce more wheat, more ears of wheat for a new season. And that's one of the images we have of Christ's death and resurrection, whether it's the wheat or whether it's the tulips, this idea of things that die and come back to life. And so we're going to hear a beautiful solo from Lena that was recorded for us last year that expresses some of that. Now the green blade riseth.
4: Now the green blade rises from the buried grave, wheat that in dark
5: next reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 to 11. The Apostle Paul writes, I want to remind you, my friends, of the good news which I preached to you, which you received, and on which your faith stands firm. That is the gospel, the message that I preached to you. You are saved by the gospel if you hold firmly to it, unless it was for nothing that you believed. I passed on to you what I received, which is of the greatest importance, that Christ died for our sins as written in the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised to life three days later as written in the scriptures, that he appeared to Peter and then to all 12 apostles. Then he appeared to more than 500 of his followers at once, most of whom are still alive, although some have died. Then he appeared to James, and afterward to all the apostles. Last of all, he also appeared to me, even though I am like someone whose birth was abnormal, for I am the least of all the apostles. I do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted God's church. But by God's grace, I am what I am, and the grace that he gave me was not without effect. On the contrary... I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, although it was not really my own doing, but God's grace working with me. So then, whether it came from me or from them, this is what we all preach, and this is what you believe.
6: The next reading is uh, from Mark chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. The Gospel of Mark records... After the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices to go and anoint the body of Jesus. Very early on Sunday morning at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way they said to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? It was a very large stone. Then they looked up and saw that the stone had already been rolled back, so they entered the tomb where they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were, al- they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is not here. He has been raised. Look, here is the place where he was placed. Now go and give this message to his disciples, including Peter. He is going to Galilee ahead of you, where you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and ran from the tomb, distressed and terrified. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid.
1: A year ago, I sat down at my desk to write something for Easter Sunday. Not having a clue, and perhaps a good thing too, that 12 months later I would face a similar challenge. A year ago, stay at home was very new for all of us. Quite a number of us had put teddy bears and other soft toys in our windows for children to see as they walked past. Some of us had painted or created rainbows in our windows. And again, the idea was that people walking out on their permitted exercise for half an hour or an hour or whatever it was would spot them and and it would be something bright and cheerful. Last year, I didn't get any hot cross buns in Holy Week because, as you know, I am such a rule follower that having been told you should only do essential shopping, and having forgotten to pick any up when I did my essential shopping, I decided I wasn't allowed to have any. This year I made sure I had hot crossbones. A year ago, scientists and doctors, and all of us in fact, really didn't know very much about COVID. But scientists and doctors were working incredibly hard to discover and share new knowledge. Ways that would be more effective and helpful in treating those who had COVID. And the beginnings of work in the hope of finding a vaccine. Remember when it started, we were assured there was no guarantee that any of these vaccines would come to anything. Nothing short of a miracle that a year later they are being rolled out across the world. It's only when we start to look backwards that we can start to make any sense of things. But actually, at the moment, we're still living in the present tense of this. This is still very much our experience. I have a suspicion this is going to turn out to be one of the most significant times in world
2: history. And I wonder, in five years' time, in ten years' time, How will people
1: tell that story? Or in 20 years' time, when it starts to be taught in schools? Or 50 years?
2: Or 100 years' time, when none of us are here anymore? How will that story be told and what will it mean? As we turn to look at the accounts of Easter in the Bible,
1: we are reading accounts that were written down Long, long after the event. And I think sometimes it's good to remind ourselves of this. These are not eyewitness accounts, but accounts that were written down 20, 30, 40, 50 years after things happened. Things that were written down to be sent to specific groups of people in specific places at specific times. If I asked you, which was the oldest account of the Easter events. I would forgive you if you said, well, it's Mark's gospel, isn't it? Because we all know Mark's gospel is the oldest gospel, but it isn't. The oldest account we have is the one written down by the apostle Paul. The letter to the Corinthians is one of the earliest Christian documents that we still have. And therefore, one of the oldest and probably the oldest account of the Easter events that somebody wrote down to pass on. Paul was writing to people who he called his friends, people in the church that he'd helped to found in a city called Corinth. And we know a bit about Corinth. We know it was a complicated place, shall we say, to say the least. He knows that he and these people have a set of core beliefs. And it's very interesting that he begins his account about the Easter events with words we're more used to hearing when he talks about the Last Supper, of which his is also probably the earliest written record that we have. He says, I'm passing on what I received. And that's the thing with Paul, whether we like him or whether we don't, whether we struggle with what he has to say. And sometimes I do. He is somebody who has come to love Jesus and wants to pass on the good news, the gospel to other people. And it's really interesting, I think, that the passage we heard, he sets himself towards the end of this. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm late coming to this. I'm, I'm a bit of an odd one. I don't really fit. In fact, I got it all wrong to start with. I was the one that was out there persecuting the people who believed in Jesus. And yet by God's grace, he says, I am what I am. I have been entrusted to pass on this story to you and to others. And so I
2: find myself wondering, in what ways are we a little bit like Paul? I wonder
1: which stories of Jesus were passed on to us and who passed them on to us.
2: I wonder if we were going to tell the Easter story, what would be the essential bits that we included? And I wonder too, where might we locate ourselves in that story? We also heard from Mark's gospel
1: nowadays believed to be the earliest of the four Gospels that made it into the Bible. Mark's Gospel is noted for being pretty rubbishy Greek, which is good because it means people like me who are really rubbishy at Greek stand a chance of working with the Greek text. It's known for its fast pace, the fact that it doesn't have a birth story, and that it kind of doesn't quite finish. Almost any Bible you open, you'll find that when you get to the end of Mark, they add on other possible endings that were written much later. They're tidier. They're more theological. It's almost, dare I say, more of a happy ending than Mark's, where we just have women running away, terrified and not saying anything. If Paul was writing a letter to friends far away, what Mark was doing was writing for a local community of Gentiles, of non-Jewish people who would become to believe in Jesus. And right at the beginning on page one, he says, or the top of the scroll as it would have been originally, I suspect, he says the purpose. It's an account of good news of gospel. It's not a tidy biography. It's not a carefully worked out theological interpretation but it's his witness
2: to what he has come to understand about Jesus. One really striking difference between Paul's
1: account and Mark's account is that in Paul's, the only people who are mentioned are men, several of whom are named, though 500 odd are not. And Mark only has women. Well, there's the unnamed man in white sitting inside the grave, but, but it's women who are named. Mary of Magdala, Mary the mother of James, and Salome or Salome. Three women who are also recorded as having been present at the crucifixion. They witnessed the death, they witnessed the burial, and now they witness the resurrection, or at least the empty tomb that signals the resurrection. And it's such a simple, utterly human account, I think. These women have got up really early in the morning. They they know what they're going out to do. They've got their spices and they're they're going along the road. And and then they think, well, hang on a minute. That stone's incredibly heavy. We're not going to be able to shift it. Who, who on earth are we going to ask to do that for us? And, and they're really, they're, their focus is totally on practicalities. They're going to pay their last respects to a dead friend. So when they get there and the stone which they've been talking about is rolled back, they must have been shocked, horrified, terrified. But they go on. And they go to the entrance of the tomb and tentatively they go in. Remember, this is more likely a cave uh, than the kind of thing that we might have. And there's this man dressed in white. And we're told they're alarmed. I suspect that's a gross understatement. Mark's quite good on gross understatements. And yet it seems that no matter that they are terrified, petrified, bewildered, they
2: actually can hear and remember the words that are said to them. And they run away. <laughs> they don't go and tell anybody, we're told. They told nobody because they were terrified. Have you ever wondered why Mark stops there? Maybe he didn't
1: need, think there's any need to record that the women eventually went and told other people, because that by them was obvious. This is 20 or 30 years down the line. No, more than that, 80 years down the line, that this is written down. So everybody would have, would have known what he's talking about. Some have suggested that the end of the scroll got lost, but I don't think any serious scholars believe that one. But maybe what he wants to do is leave an open ending that we actually have to weigh up for ourselves what... The story is and decide, do we believe this or do we not believe this? Did Jesus rise or did he not? We also, as believers in Jesus, have to think what we will do with the good news that's entrusted to us. So, again, I wonder. In what ways are we like Mark? I wonder what stories of Jesus we've passed on to others deliberately and verbally or or practically in our actions. I wonder if we were writing it, what would be the last line of the Easter story? And again,
2: I wonder where we locate ourselves within that story. A year on from today, we'll have moved on again from
1: where we are now. We don't know and we cannot know what our lives will look like. But we definitely should begin to dream
2: and hope and imagine and maybe even begin to plan. But a final set of wonderings. I wonder what is unique and precious about each of our stories.
1: I wonder what part the stories of Jesus have played in helping us over the last year
2: in this very strange time. I wonder how the joy and hope of Easter becomes good news for us and good news for others. And I wonder where and how we locate ourselves in the ongoing story of resurrection and of life.
7: Is going to Galilee ahead of you. There you will see him, just as he told you. This is a day that changes the way we think. This is a day which changes the way we act. This is a day which changes the way we live. And so as we reflect on where we place ourselves in the Easter story, we bring our prayers for others and for ourselves. We pray together. Living God revealed in Jesus of Nazareth, go ahead of us into the Galilee's of our day, into the places where we try to make a difference. Sometimes places where life has become so routine that new possibilities are forgotten. Go ahead of us into places where we fear to tread because we can see few signs of change or where we see injustice, oppression and violence, all of which seem beyond the influence of any power. Remind us, should we ever forget that you are a God of surprises, a God who turns the expectations of this world upside down, bringing hope out of despair, laughter out of tears, light out of darkness, life out of death. Go ahead of us into the Galilee's of our day and show us that no situation however bleak or hopeless it may seem, is outside the embrace of your love and your power to make all things new, to transform death into life. And so let each of us in a moment of silence call to mind a situation where we need to hear this hope again. And as we think of the Galilee's in our wider world, we pray today for our partners in BMS World Mission. Today, remembering the Church of Christ in Thailand and the BMS partner there for their work with people living with AIDS. Pray that BMS worker Judy will bring encouragement to her colleagues in that church. And we give thanks for the partnership between BMS and the Baptist Church in Mizoram. Pray that this student hostel in Cambodia will be supported through this partnership. Closer to home, our sister churches here in Scotland and our Colleagues, we play for Jim Megan, the chaplain at the Royal Hospital for Children, for Coastline Community Church in Pitt and Weim, which is formerly the Baptist Churches of Anstruther and Pitt and Weem, for Coatbridge, for Collie Dean in Glenrothes, and for Cornton in Stirling. And within our own community here in Hillhead. Our prayer rota for this week encourages us to remember all those who are involved in the coffee club. Liz and Douglas. Anne and Brian. Paul P and Mary P. Leslie and Alistair. Grace and Will, Nancy, Lizzie and Petrie, Ian, Elizabeth and Joanne. As we again this morning, place ourselves in the Easter story And try to follow you. Risen Lord, continue to change our lives. Continue to change your people. Continue to change the world. Amen.
2: The Gospel of Luke tells us that on the day of resurrection, two
1: bewildered disciples recognised Jesus only when they invited him into their home and he broke bread. It also tells us that later that same night, Jesus, meeting his followers behind closed doors back in Jerusalem, asked for food which was offered to him, and he ate some cooked fish. And the Gospel of John tells us that days or maybe
2: weeks later, Jesus prepared breakfast for his followers on a beach. In the now and the not yet, between Christ's resurrection
1: and the recreation of all things, Those who follow Jesus call to mind his stories, eat and
2: drink, reflect and pray in hope, in faith, in community, in love. And it was the Apostle Paul who first recorded what happened
1: on the night when Jesus was betrayed and arrested. Words which have been recalled and repeated for almost 2,000 years.
2: Words which are familiar. Words which we love. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the
1: night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body. It is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood.
2: Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul added this. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes. Since that time, followers
1: of Jesus have created liturgical rituals and composed choral works, all inspired by this same hope, same faith, the same resurrected Christ who said,
2: do this to remember me. So let's pray together. risen Christ, on this day of days when we celebrate your
1: defeat of all that deals death and destroys life, we are humbled and amazed that you entrust to us good news
2: for all creation. Aware of our own vulnerability and frailty, our finitude and our failings,
1: we thank you that you promise to be with us every day and give us this simple yet powerful reminder of all
2: you have done, are doing and will do for us. Thank you for this food and drink. Thank you for the technology that allows us to be connected. Thank you for new life, new hope, and never-ending love. Amen. Jesus, having given thanks, broke the bread and shared it
1: with his friends. And we are his friends. So let's
2: eat in gratitude and remembrance. Jesus took a cup of wine, which he said was
1: a symbol of the new covenants between heaven and earth, between God and all
2: creation. So let's drink in fellowship, in unity and in remembrance. And we hear again the ancient gospel acclamation. Christ
1: has died. Christ is risen. Christ will
2: come again. Amen.
1: from here with resurrection joy, love, hope and faith to speak and to be good news wherever Christ may lead us this day and every day. Amen.